Welcome to The Middle, an exploration into the organisational layer that has the biggest impact on overall performance. In this podcast series, Stephen Wilson from Birmingham City University discusses the issues with executives from both the private and public sectors. For alerts of the next programme, don't forget to click the follow button. So on today's programme, I'm delighted to welcome Ananda Roy. Uh, Ananda's got broad experience in strategic thinking and contribution to major organisations in a number of sectors. Um, and I'm very interested to pursue, instead of our industry-specific, a cross-industry type of approach today. So Ananda, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much. The usual starting point is to set some context, but today I'd like to start by thinking about a, a concept, really, in terms of our starting point. And the concept is of the business model, the business design. And I'm particularly interested in your view of how the business model is reflected in and needs to be uh, compatible with middle management structure and processes across a number of industries. Certainly. I can think of three broad areas as an example of how things are changing. So the first one uh, relates to startups. Uh, A lot of them are technology-led startups, and it really starts with an idea, an inventor, a technologist, a passionate entrepreneur who has an idea and surrounds himself with uh, folks who share that passion and bring those ideas to life. But as the company grows, And especially as it works with other companies, uh, works with consumers, if it's a B2C company, um, that's when it really begins to rub up against conventional practice. It begins to rub up against, uh, in some cases, the regulators uh, and, of course, consumer groups. And that's when it begins to all fall apart. The second example I'd like to give you is uh, corporate ventures within a large organization. And uh, this is a fascinating area where Uh, a number of very large FTSE businesses are creating very entrepreneurial, in some cases, innovation-led businesses within the large framework of their their organization. The third area, which I think is is rapidly becoming um, a, a, a challenge in some cases, is when business models are evolving in well established businesses. I think there's still some layers uh, that we need to unpick intellectually in terms of the business model. Mm. There's more richness in there mm. than we currently have out in our models. Yeah. Our models are too simplistic. The way business is conducted and delivered is evolving. And quite rightly, business models are evolving as well. You're seeing subscription models uh, expand in, in consumer goods, something that would be unbelievable even five years ago you are seeing startups not only grow, but completely disrupt mainstream businesses. So business models are evolving. That's great. But the role of organization design and structure to be most effective and most agile has not necessarily evolved at the same rate. And particularly the role of the middle manager is still a bit confused. I think the most successful companies, 
the ones that have not only evolved their business model and you know their strategic resources and capabilities, but also thought about the kind of organization they want to be for the future, have done so over a period of time with trial and error, but have committed serious thought and resources and policies to, uh, to make that possible. So you are seeing increasingly a middle, manage- middle management layer who's able to translate very effectively vision and the need to deliver that vision commercially in a very agile manner into very specific goals and accountabilities, both for themselves and for uh, managers uh, and, and indeed um, employees and staff members and colleagues who work, who work in those teams. What strikes me is that as an organization grows, it may be that this entrepreneurial group, uh, the pioneers, as it were, the, the like-minded, the, the, the passionate, uh, as the organization grows, need to somehow interface with this emergent new layer of lower paid, perhaps less motivated, higher labor turnover. And that strikes me as a really interesting tension for the middle managers between those two, where the mentality command and control might well fit better and be appropriate at at the um, street level, as it were, if I can call it that, working with the the, uh, lower paid, uh, hired staff, as it were, uh, compared with the entrepreneur, there's a really interesting tension there. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, even if you look at uh, what's going on with Amazon at the moment, uh, Amazon at its highest levels is an extremely well-run organization. They have a very strong commitment to corporate governance. They have strong policies in place. The problem becomes when you are going down to the people who deliver your business, um, they have low employee engagement. So whereas they see your fancy posters on employee welfare and all the other things that you intend to do, it does not necessarily resonate with them. They don't believe that. And then, of course, you have the the challenge of uh, low pay. But clearly you're seeing something grinding up uh, you know, the two worlds grinding up against each other. And you're seeing this again ag- across businesses. And I think the challenge is to recognize how you can adapt uh, middle management practices to this environment. In a growing organization where you might have this potential disconnect between the uh, higher echelons with the vision, uh, with the passion, with the total engagement, um, and the people at the the street level, as it were, feeling that they were just pawns in a big mechanical game and and being ground out. Um, Perhaps as industries mature and and grow up, and then people from that uh, street level get promoted because they're good at that level and gradually work their way up in the organization. Perhaps it's understandable looking at it that way that long standing uh, cost driven commodity types of businesses have got inhabited by and dominated by this command and control thuggery type of approach, which would, would seem to be appropriate at the street level but now is dominant at the top level and starting to creak. Yeah. Now, I think that's a very interesting point. I think this entire 
notion of leadership at the mid-level uh, management is completely overdone. So, you know, especially in some of the companies that I've worked in or have consulted with, um, especially in companies that are very, very dr uh, driven by the profit motive, profit maximization and, you know, achieving targets, um, you see an emphasis on leadership and the expression of that leadership usually tends to be, uh, and of course I know there are various styles, but it tends to be either dictatorial or overly democratic. Um, and, and, and everything is focused on being able to lead teams to achieve very, very clear corporate goals. Whereas what we're finding now is that particularly at mid-management, there needs to be an emphasis on what I sometimes refer to as followership. And followership um, is really about collaborating. It's about building consensus, both commercial consensus, but also a recognition that we work differently in different cultures. And especially for a transnational or a multinational company, there needs to be an acknowledgement of that. Uh, followership is about working in complete concert with local regulation, governance, ethical norms, and not necessarily to feel the, the, the tension because you have a very clear idea of how to express values and policy that has been sort of set for you uh, in a way. It's very interesting. There's a number of resonances that, that go through my mind. Um, there's a North American company that was written up a number of years ago, much to my ongoing regret, I can't remember who it is, um, that used to have something they called the perfect mistake. And the perfect mistake was a project that lost the company a million dollars or more. So it's a big one. And what distinguished it from in a, in a case of incompetence was that the perfect mistake was a post-mortem was conducted, and if all the right sorts of questions had been approached about which customers are you going for, you know, what will the competitive reaction be, will the regulators like it, you know, what makes you think their customer priorities align with this, if all those right questions had been asked and answered, and yet it still lost money, they would have an enormous party. They would have a great celebration on their Greenfield site, and they would fire their ceremonial cannon. And you think, well, why would you do that? You've just lost the company a million dollars. Wouldn't everybody be ashamed of having any association with that? And they said, no, 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 no. You know, we are still celebrating the fact that we're young enough and can take chances and opportunities. We're still healthy. And we want nobody to feel bad about a venture that had the right underpinnings but just didn't turn out for unforeseen reasons. Uh, we want to celebrate that. And I think there's a perhaps theme here about your followership, which is also about getting rid of blame. That's a very interesting thought. By the way, I, I seem to recall that company being GE. Um, and um, in that specific in instance, GE would reward ventures that had been planned and, and that took considered strategic options and commercial viewpoints. But failed. GE would penalize folks who did nothing. So if you were a very, very successful middle manager who just did more of the same, 
you would actually run into uh, problems at your performance appraisals or indeed your team's performance appraisals. Whereas if you had uh, examples or evidence of trying new things, innovating, uh, that was actually rewarded. But to go back to your point about blame specifically, um, regrettably, that continues to be one of the drivers uh, that um, you know is quite evident in business, uh, particularly in business where profit margins are slim, targets are you know front of mind, and resources to achieve those targets are again becoming very very uh, constrained. One of the bees of my of, in, in my bonnet that uh, regular uh, listeners will know is. Uh, looking at behaviours and encouraging, having systems that encourage the appropriate behaviours. And, you know, this notion of blame would be completely contrary to this much more followership, goal alignment type of approach. And I wonder if in your experience across industries, whether you've come across instances where the measures haven't been financial or quantitative, but been much more about you know, did you behave in appropriate ways that supported the vision of the, and progress of the business? There are several interesting examples. Uh, for example, in Brazil, uh, Mondelez is very, very well known for making sure that it balances some of its commercial uh, goals with, with, with reinforcing kinds of behaviors that they're very keen on in terms of their work culture. So particularly the point about collaboration, um, the respect and appreciation for innovation and action rather than doing nothing, Um, and particularly their belief that working together and building consensus is far more important than a highly quantifiable metric for performance. Even at mid-level management, some of the highest performing managers are being measured about uh, in, in how well they're able to mentor their junior staff, how well they participate across functions in the way they deliver the company's ethos, vision, and values, how they mentor and create and lead high-performing teams, um, and should you be extremely commercially successful but unable to participate in those areas of, of doing business well, you will see your, your career slow down. And I think, I think companies that are able to quantify and express and be very specific about the kinds of behaviors they, expe- they expect are the kinds of companies that are now prepared for this very, very uncertain, ambiguous, chaotic world. That connection back into the business model and how it evolves and and that alignment of the behaviours of people who can engage with that and contribute to it and uh, add to the skill set in the team and and build these high-performance teams, uh, I think is a a very strong resonance with me. Uh, And I'm I'm fascinated with this uh, working across the organisation thread 
which so often is misunderstood and mis underrepresented in all sorts of media and all sorts of articles and, and, and even journals, um, where the thinking is that middle managers are taking the word from above and translating it to those below. And it completely misses this absolutely crucial crosswise connection, particularly in a changing world, where it is drawing on resources, building relationships, building consensus, um, getting cooperation when you have no authority. Um, and, you know, I think you were expressing a, a number of those key themes there that are exciting to me um, and symptoms of very healthy organizations. Yeah, I think um, especially in some of the uh, bigger, more successful businesses that I'm seeing, there is a huge emphasis on this, uh, this area. And I think, again, the expression of leadership is now going beyond specialisms, particularly in your function or with your region or you know, your specific uh, projects and is now beginning to expand into how you work effectively across functions to achieve those goals. And I have found, even in my performance appraisals, inputs coming from folks that I don't necessarily report to directly. And rather than benign 360 degree feedbacks, these are specific inputs that could influence my appraisal at the end of the year. And I think that, again, is a great um, uh, reinforcement that your ability to, to collaborate across the, across the organization, your ability to maximize and allocate resources across the organization, your ability as a leader to influence people who don't necessarily report to you but feel the value and passion and the the, the, the endeavor uh, and are wanting to contribute to it as if it was their own function or their own project. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. The focus on behavior, uh, on culture, on alignment of goals um, would kind of be the, the counterpoint of reliance on structure to get the job done. And I'm wondering whether we're at an era when we're seeing innovative uh, structures, matrix management, uh, virtual teams, cross-functional teams, concurrent engineering, very different ways of configuring the structure than perhaps we have in the past, and that the behaviours and the values are, and the culture are becoming much more the way that we achieve the fit with our business model and what most is evolving and, and our ability to make profits than we have in the past where it was about the structure and reporting lines and departmental demarcations and measures. Yes, I mean, business and the business environment today is very uncertain. It's very ambiguous at times. It's very chaotic. And uh, companies often find themselves quite vulnerable, not only to their competitors, but also to factors that they don't control. And that has made um, a lot of companies recognize that very, very structured organizations, very clear hierarchical ranks, uh, actually diminish their ability to respond to the market. The answer is not the absence of structure. Structure is very important. And I think as human beings, we appreciate 
having an element of of structure. I mean, it probably goes back to our pack mentality in a way. Uh, folks like having uh, a sense of organization and and knowing what they do within the larger team and certainly within the larger organization. So structure is important. But yes, the dimensions of those structure structural arrangements uh, change. You know, I I I I think there is a lot to be said for organizations that are not only evolving their organizational structures, but are thinking about specific behaviors, how resources and value is created within, for example, the matrix organization, but how you manage constraints and challenges within those organizations. All of these things um, uh, work very, very uh, well together when you get it right. Um, I'm I'm not very keen on the absence of of, of structure as an answer to the challenges and the limitations of a hierarchical model. There's a richness here that uh, is, again, between the lines of what you're saying, that for some individuals in certain roles, uh, there's a delicious uh, tension, uh, imminence, uh, about opportunities that could develop, innovations, different approaches. Um, and yet for also for a number of others, you know, there is a much lower tolerance for ambiguity. There's a great discomfort with not knowing which reports I have to get done by the last Thursday in each month. You know, and they're attracted to certain professions because they can get those reports done. You can get the, the information from the subordinate departments. They can fill their forms in, and then they can go home. Uh, and so there's a, a richness here, I think, that has to embrace both those people for whom the ambiguity is full of opportunity and imminence, and for those for whom it is very uncomfortable. And yet they both have their role to play, and how we reconcile that inside an organization is again a fascinating middle management characteristic. That's an excellent point, Stephen. I think one of the non-quantified metrics of success for middle management is their threshold for for ambiguity, their threshold for uh, uncertainty. Uh, Exactly as you say, some folks find that oppressive and they don't like it. And occasionally, those those are the... uh, people who are very, very competent, but who fail uh, in a very dynamic business environment. And it's the middle management who are able to flex, who are able to work in a very, very uncertain environment, who are the ones who are now moving uh, up the, up the uh, you know, the echelons of, of um, the sort of management structure. And um, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, very, very nuanced skill sets that are coming up. The other one being, uh, you know, resilience uh, to uncertainty. Uh, these are the things that are really making the difference between uh, a high-performing middle manager and a successful middle manager who moves on to being uh, a leader and moves on to being uh, someone who's recognized as um, contributing and creating value within the business. Ananda, you've been very open in exploring a number of interwoven issues, highly complex, uh, in an increasingly dynamic environment. Uh, 
it's been most illuminating. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation as well. Some of these topics, um, you know, are complex, as you rightly say, and, you know, um, I think well beyond the podcast. Um, I'm sure some of your listeners will uh, think and reflect on this and uh, perhaps be able to contribute their comments uh, as we go forward. Thank you. The Middle was conceived and produced by Stephen Wilson. For notifications of future episodes, just click the follow button. Thank you for listening. Thank you.